auto dealers. Are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, more second quarter sales results and why there is hope for a rebound. Rivian ramps up its deliveries and Tesla pauses output in Germany and China after a shaky quarter. Plus a conversation about the strain on suppliers and whether there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The U.S. light vehicle market slid again in June, capping a weaker second quarter for most automakers. Global parts shortages and shipping woes continue to hobble output, but there are more signs the market rebound is getting some traction. Ford Motor Company outperformed everybody. The Detroit automaker says it racked up a 32% gain in June, including a 41% jump for Lincoln. Ford says combined deliveries of the profitable F-Series, Explorer, and redesigned Expedition and Navigator SUVs represented more than 56% of the automaker's total sales last month. For the quarter, Ford sales rose 1.8%. That was rare. Sales dropped for Stellantis in the second quarter by 16%. It saw double-digit declines at every brand but Chrysler, where deliveries surged 95% behind a 143% gain in Pacifica volume. Deliveries slid 11% at Jeep and 27% at Ram in the latest period. Nissan's second quarter volume skidded 39%, split pretty evenly between the Nissan and Infiniti brands. Honda Motor Company has really been struggling with supply. June sales plunged 54%, which is pretty common these days. For the quarter, combined Honda and Acura sales slumped 51%. We're still waiting on Mercedes-Benz USA results. Keep your browser locked on autonews.com for the latest. Even so, Motor Intelligence estimated the seasonally adjusted annualized selling rate at 13.2 million. That's a little better than May's 12.9 million, but still the second slowest pace of the year and well off the 15.4 million rate from a year earlier. And we thought that was bad at the time. Good news for EV startup Rivian in Q2. It delivered almost 4,500 vehicles, up from 2,500 vehicles in the previous quarter. The company also said today that it was on track to meet its annual production target of 25,000 units, after output jumped 72% from the first quarter. Rivian shares rose 11% in morning trading, approaching $30 a share. That's providing some relief to a stock that has lost almost three-fourths of its value this year. It's a sign that investors have more confidence in its 2022 forecast. The quarter wasn't so rosy for the industry's leading EV maker. Tesla made more than 254,000 deliveries, which fell short of analysts' estimates. The automaker offered one upbeat line. It made more vehicles in June than any month in its history, but now Tesla reportedly has halted most production in China and Germany. The Model Y assembly plant in Shanghai will take a break for the first two weeks of July. 
Then the company will stop the Model 3 line for a 20-day stretch starting July 18th. On Monday, Tesla Mag said the automaker's German plant will take a two-week break starting on July 11th. The German site, citing an unidentified source, reported that Tesla aims to roughly double the production rate starting in August. The Automotive Hall of Fame is developing a new permanent exhibit and educational program that will highlight the contributions of African Americans in the automotive industry. The Dearborn Michigan Museum has honored nearly 800 individuals from around the world who have made an impact on the automotive and mobility industries. The exhibit and program will explore how mobility, vehicle ownership, and roadways have affected Black communities. The Hall of Fame says it will focus on firsthand oral histories of Black leaders, both historic and contemporary. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, going back to our top story, it looks like Ford outperformed everyone so far in second quarter sales. What do you make of that? Yeah, Ford clearly had the best numbers, but a lot of that is because of the comparison with the poor numbers they reported last year. They were the only big automaker to have a gain in second quarter sales, which is great. And 32% increase in June is huge. But you look at kind of where they landed kind of where they usually are. They're behind GM and Toyota. They're ahead of Stellantis and Hyundai Kia. Just kind of a typical period back to normal, really, for Ford. Other than Ford, numbers don't look great, but analysts say there's a reason to be optimistic. Now, Jamie, why do you think they're saying that? Well, we're hearing a lot more from executives that they're getting greater transparency into the supply chain for the second half or the third and fourth quarters greater confidence that chip supply will improve and factories will be able to keep running. Not that it's going to put a lot of vehicles on dealers' lots, but maybe a few more in Americans' driveways. Well, although automakers are seeing some reason for hope, there's still a lot of strain on suppliers. Coming up, we'll hear from longtime analyst Dietmar Osterman about what they're experiencing and whether there's an end in sight. That's next on Daily Drive. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Even with global supply chain problems, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and more COVID lockdowns, 
many automakers have been able to weather this period of uncertainty without much long-term damage. But the picture is less clear for suppliers. Dietmar Ostermann is a longtime industry analyst who recently retired from consulting group PwC. We talked last week about the pressure suppliers are facing halfway through 2022, including recent news one major supplier is restructuring. Here's our conversation. Dietmar Ostermann, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you very much for having me on. Dietmar, last month, Morelli, the combination of old Fiat's uh, Magneti Morelli and Calsonic Kansai, which was part of Nissan's Koretsu, filed for rehabilitation, Japan's version of Chapter 11 financial restructuring, sort of. The company had tried to work out its debts with creditors, but it came up short, and, and now it's in court. What do you make of the situation? Was Morelli saddled with an impossible debt load from the start, or is it a victim of the industry's supply chain woes? Well, certainly the industry supply chain problems didn't help, but I don't think that was the root cause here. I think the root cause is just mismanagement, if you want to hear my honest opinion. Mm. I was very excited when the merger was first announced because I thought it was a very good way for Magnelli Morelli to globalize and for Calsonic to globalize because they were way too much relying on one major OEM partner. And the combination of the two already gave them access to two, but had the potential to pull through other activities that either Magneti Morelli had with other OEMs or that Calsonic had with other OEMs that then could have been strengthened. So I thought it was the right thing to do, it was also the right thing to do from a global footprint standpoint, not just mm-hmm. from a customer base standpoint. Uh, obviously, Magneti Morelli was very, very heavily invested in Italy whereas Calsonic was much more global. They had obviously very heavy investments in Japan, but were strong in North America, which again was a weakness of uh, Magneti Morelli. So it had all good signs. But to be honest, Jamie, uh, Magneti Morelli had eight business segments. And I think Calsonic, last time I counted, had nine. And yes, some of them were overlapping, but many were not. And so I was expecting, in fact, I was talking to KKR during my active time to discuss with them what are the crown jewels that they should maybe emphasize on, what are the the dogs that um, <laughs> that maybe should be de-emphasized, or mm-hmm. maybe you want to sell some crown jewels to bring really some cash in, but focus the business on some. And none of that was done. I mean, not a single major asset was sold. And so no auto supplier in the world, no Bosch, no Denso, no ZF, no Conti, the largest in the world, are working with 15 segments. Right? It, it is just too complex in today's automotive world. And so in my judgment, it was lack of leadership to focus the business correctly on what was required going forward. They still aren't really talking about any dispositions, getting rid of any of those businesses, are they? I would be shocked if that wouldn't be in the works. Mm. I think has to happen. And so I think ultimately business sense will prevail here and some of this will happen. Okay. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Let's talk about suppliers a little more broadly. You've spent uh, many years studying, you know, which suppliers and how many are, are distressed, which ones might be selling pieces of themselves, which are looking to acquire. What's the big picture? Is there, is there anybody acquiring these days? Maybe a few? 
Well, um, my former team will bring out very soon uh, this summer another study about what we think is going on in the M&A space and automotive supply. But it, it's probably no secret to clarify that 2022 will not be a great year in automotive supplier M&A because of all the macroeconomic situation. If the economy wouldn't be so questionable and the supply chain troubles not so severe, I think you would have seen an uptick back to normal levels of supply M&A, which is typically 200 to 300 around the world, but probably will not see that because right now automotive suppliers are well advised to um, hold tight a little bit onto their financials and not expose themselves to the bigger acquisition. Is distress pretty widespread? Are there a lot of suppliers who maybe came into this COVID economy with more debt than they can really carry? The distress picture is geographically different. Hmm. I don't see a lot of distress right now in North America, but we do see a lot of distress right now in Europe. Uh, Europe did not, as you very well know, restructure as intensely back in the 2008-2019 timeframe, the automotive supply base. North America did. The North American suppliers are fundamentally more healthy. The North American suppliers are also, on average, less impacted by the Russian-Ukrainian war, and the European suppliers are a little bit more impacted by it. So uh, that hurts them right now. So we do predict a significant amount of bankruptcies, potentially, or restructurings of some sort in Europe. In Asia, the picture is also mixed, Jamie. I see some uh, interesting signs of distress in some Asian countries, particularly in Japan. Really? I would have thought China because they've had such all these severe lockdowns recently, uh, but they also favor, of course, do everything they can to keep industry running. That is why I didn't mention it. Yes, there are <laughs> signs of distress that you can see when you just purely look at the numbers in China. But what really ends up happening there is oftentimes not just a pure economic picture. So what's going on in Japan? Why are they suffering? Why are suppliers there in trouble? Well, generally speaking, you have the trend that automotive production in the North Asia region was going down and that for years now, localization of Japanese automakers' productions either in China or in Europe or in North America has taken volumes in Japan down. And, you know, their local production, certainly in North America, has gone to 85% plus uh, of the vehicles that they sell in North America are being produced here. So that was fundamentally one of the underlying circumstances that brought uh, vehicle production down in Japan. And Japanese suppliers are typically not as global as some of the European or North American suppliers. So they have a tougher time than to make this up. And just because, uh, let's say, a Toyota or, or a Hyundai, for that matter, goes local in Europe or North America, it does not automatically mean that they're putting their supply base in there. We have seen that uh, Asian suppliers more localizing in North America and Europe have reached out to the worldwide supply base to make up some of the shortcomings of their Asian supply partners that weren't really present in Europe or in North America yet. So that has something to do with that. I was also interested, you said, you didn't list uh, North American suppliers as particularly distressed. The results have not been good. Many have been reporting losses, but they're not on the brink. Is that what you're saying? Maybe they came in after the last decade of high and steady production. Their balance sheets were maybe in good enough shape to handle a few rough quarters. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Certainly, when you look at the publicly traded North American auto suppliers, there's no more than five that I would characterize right now as being in distressed territory. Some of those are well-known quantities that everybody is talking about. But even when you go into the private supply base, they are, generally speaking, financially okay, even though it is uh, true what you say that the OEMs in this particular time of shortage of vehicles were able to increase prices 10% plus or so. And whenever the auto suppliers wanted to come to the OEMs and say, well, shouldn't we get some of this? Uh, we also have uh, material cost increases and labor cost increases and this, that, and the other. The OEMs weren't really that uh, passionate about doing that. So that has certainly eroded the profitability base of the auto supplier. If you go back two years prior to COVID or three years almost now, we were looking at about 12% EBITDA average for the automotive supply base that has come down dramatically already doing COVID to about 10%. Hmm. And it's unfortunately going further down south in uh, 2022 because of this difficulty that uh, the suppliers have to raise prices, even though raw material prices are going up. Yeah, high prices, prices for raw materials, prices for labor. Also, I mean, just low volumes, depressed volumes do not help suppliers. And we've seen and we've heard executives talk about instead of adjusting production plans monthly, like doing it weekly. It seems like you know, you're, it makes it if you're not steady <laughs> and running at full speed, it can be really hard to, to run a supplier profitably. Yeah, those are all good points. And clearly, uh, people completely underestimate what it takes when OEMs change production schedules uh, very, very frequently because of the flexibility they have to deploy now, depending on what ships they have available to produce what type of cars. And that is wrecking havoc at the automotive supply base uh, to actually then have the right parts at the right place at the right time if these schedules are not as stable as they used to be. It's a big problem. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on suppliers, sales results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.